Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Cinema Judge. To all my regulars out there who show up blockbuster independent, no matter what the film is, I truly appreciate it. Now, if you're new to the show, let me briefly tell you what we do here. The studios, they send us interviews, movie clips, behind-the-scenes footage, premiere footage. We put it together to make one giant infomercial, for lack of a better word, and we give you the evidence. You're the jury. You make up your own mind if you like the movie or not. I'm not here to yell at Hollywood, complain, any of that stuff. I just like to say, here's a movie, what are your thoughts? Because we all walk different paths. Who am I to tell you if a movie is good or not? I look at it this way. Any movie is somebody's favorite movie. Because we all want to spend our hard-earned money wisely. Because we all want the same thing. An enjoyable movie experience. Now, speaking of experiences, we got a blockbuster, a just over-the-top action film from the Fast and the Furious franchise. This is the 10th installment. This is 10 part 1. So without further ado, here's a trailer for Fast X. I know that this road has been very hard. And yet here you are, building this magnificent family. What's going on in that head of yours? Something little piece of it. Is it dead? They're not afraid of anything. But I am. Afraid of losing someone I love. Dominic Toretto, you're about to learn all about fear. You built such a beautiful life, filled with love and family. I never got a chance. You stole that from me. My future. My family. And now, I'm gonna break yours. Piece by piece. He's coming for you with everything. What's the plan, Dom? I'm not sure anymore. One of us might not come back from this. But we have to fight. Never accept death when suffering is owed. It's a setup. He's trying to tear us apart. When it used to be about winning, we raced for respect. Today, I raced to stop the bloodbath. That's the problem with having such a big family. How do you choose the ones you save? Let's race!
still know how to drive? What do you think? It's showtime. Here we go. Game recognizes game. Now here's the lowdown. This is the quick one-line description of what this movie's about. Because this movie has a lot going on, a lot of characters. But this is me just reading the description. Dom and his family are targeted by the vengeful son of a drug kingpin. And the one after him this time is none other than Jason Momoa. The guy is great. This guy's so flamboyant, wild, and just pretty insane. Because there's one scene in this movie where they really, they didn't know if they were going to keep it or not, because it was so almost not quite, I don't even know what the word to use for it, but some people were taken aback by it, and some people loved it, and they didn't know which way to go with it. And so they took it to the studio executive, she looked at it, she says, yep, this proves how insane this guy really is. And I'm not going to tell you what what it is or what the scene is, you'll know when you see it. But that's the story of this one. Years ago... In Fast Five, Dom and his people ended up killing this guy's father when they were driving down the road with a a giant safe, and eventually that guy got killed. An interesting fact is this. They used that 35mm film, and they poured over all the dailies so they could rework it. They used different shots, because they had to insert Jason Momoa within that, because this movie, it's shot digitally, not on film. And it was a really interesting process if you want to look it up how they inserted him into that footage. Because in order to set up the situation for this movie, they had to show that he was also there and he saw his father get killed. And that's really kind of interesting. They inserted him into the shots that he was with his dad when the the giant safe gets ripped out of their building and they start tearing down the road. So that's why they needed to use that film because they tried to make it look like he was originally in there at that moment. So coming up first, we have a couple featurettes for you. The first one, it's pretty much them just talking about the story. You're going to hear from the actors, director, and just a real side note here. If you ever want to watch a TV version of this, at the end of this show, I'm going to give you a web page. Because in these featurettes, while they're talking, they have scenes going on in the background. They're talking, you clip back and forth between action sequences and on-the-set footage. So if you're interested in watching this version... I'll give you that website at the end of the show. But this first featurette talks about basically the story. I've never seen a movie like this. We're revving to give you everything we got. We got something special, so let's celebrate that. It's the end of the road, so we're going back to the roots of Fast and Furious. 
Let's dig some graves. Then I go, what kind of trouble can we get into this time? Everything is bigger, better, and hits you like a right hand to the jaw. It is true entertainment on a massive canvas. You're about to learn all about fear. With a new villain, with new stakes, real stakes. Oh. I hadn't played a villain in probably 10 years. All right, dorks, what are we blowing up? I wanted to bring something to the lineage that hadn't been done yet. He just comes in, guns blazing. You guys are going to hell. Dante is really one angry guy, but really well-dressed. To face off against Dom and his family, you had to be a certain psychotic. He's coming for you with everything. There's something coming, and Dom knows it. I can't think of a better time for him to be at a crossroads. Never accept death. We're all feeling unsure at the moment, even down. It's a setup. We haven't been as successful as we're used to seeing this team be, and that's kind of scary. This sets the stage for something larger, so it's unfamiliar territory. That's the problem with having such a big family. How do you choose the ones you save? I really am looking forward to the Toretto's being back together again. We're firing on all cylinders. Cannon cars. Is it exciting? Yes. He's trying to tear us apart. Is it nerve-wracking? Hell yeah. This is the magic of fast. Let's race! It's showtime. Here we go! It's the beginning of the end. It's the sum of everything we've loved in the Fast and Furious universe. Here they come. It's exciting to be a piece in the puzzle of something that's so very important to pop culture. I do suggest for the audience out there to prep. It's a big one. For a saga to be complete, it must have an ending. It's bittersweet, but dare I say more meaningful. And as you could tell, it's pretty big. There's a lot of going on here. Action, storyline, and there's a lot of characters. And you might ask yourself, is this another Cars in Space? Well, you got to wait to find out. I'm not here to give away too many spoilers. This next featurette focuses on fatherhood. How Dom now has this growing child, and he's just trying to you know, get the kid you know, accustomed to life. Training him, driving the car, all these kind of things. That's what this feature is all about. It elevates a story that he has more to lose than just his normal, quote, family. Now it's even bigger than that. It's about his son. Little piece of a dad. They're not afraid of anything. But I am. Dom Toretta lives in a world that sometimes feels relatable, but the undercurrent of that world is not. His approach to fatherhood has to account for the world that he's been brought into, most often to save the world that he never promised to save. We are a different family than, like, families in the neighborhood. Dom knows that no matter what, he will be chased his entire life. In Fast 10, you will see a fatherhood that's more representative of a fatherhood in the past, where you teach your kid to be a survivor. I would say he's pretty tough because he has his family around him. Shannon cars. He knows that he's protected. It's like a family bond. How do you choose the ones you save? It's something that every father and mother in the world can identify with. We all want the next generation to be better than the last. That's fatherhood. By blood or by bond, family's family. I'm coming for you, son. So in Fast X, it elevates it even more, adding the sun, that whole element. But then adding on top of that, as previously mentioned, 
Jason Momoa. This guy, the talent, the skill, just the whole presence. When he's on screen, he just you just feel it. He's like, yep, he's the man. So he's a great adversary for this project because he's larger than life. And he brings that to the character. <laughs> in, this, in this featurette, they're going to have a lot of on-the-scene footage that you'll hear in the background. He'll be talking on set. And he describes his character as being like a peacock. And, that, and he truly is. He's so outrageous. But that outrageousness fits this movie because the movie in itself is so outrageous. And I'm going to use the word ridiculous, but in a in a mindless, fun way for for people when you just want to go to escape. So saying ridiculous and just ludicrous, really, is not a slam. Because you know what you're getting into when you go to a Fast and Furious movie of any kind. So that's what I'm trying to say to you here. It is wild, out of control, bedlam. And Jason Momoa adds to that another tenfold. So here they are talking about the character and who he is. And you hear a lot from Jason Momoa talking about what a joy it is to be part of this franchise. With each film, with each chapter, we get to introduce another incredible talent. Jason Momoa. You all know him, but you will never, ever forget Dante Reyes. I'm Dante. Enchante. Three, two, one, action! I love motorcycles. Buongiorno, Roma! And I freaking love cars. Then I'm like, why wouldn't I want to be a part of a car chase movie and be in freaking Rome riding motorcycles? Momoa, I'm on a motorcycle in Rome? I mean, come on. You're about to learn all about fear. Boom! I hadn't played a villain in probably 10 years. I really wanted to bring something that hadn't been done yet. Face off against Dom and his family. He's been done wrong in his mind. You wouldn't happen to have any enemies in Rio, would you? He has a son. You had to be a certain psychotic. <laughs> like a peacock. I wanted my character to be like a peacock. Da, 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 da. And a one, and a two, and a... Dom, this time, is worried for his family and worried for the world. How do you choose the ones you save? He's met his match. His enemy is fluid. He's a snake. We don't know where he's going. Dante is obsessed with Dom. A little embarrassed. You saw my vision board. Dante has learned from Dom. He knows everything about Dom. Collateral damage, chaos, death. I'm your legacy. It's strange to have an enemy who adores you. Stop talking. Face me. The game's not over yet. The way that Jason portrays this character, Dante Reyes, really plays nicely into the mythology. Everyone dies. That was awesome! He was so confident. I mean, he just came in with this, like, lace, detailed, open shirt that was, like, flowing, and the hair, and the body. I was, like, just so in awe, staring at him. And then I, like, catch myself. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in the scene. I have to, like, act right now. Did you notice how hot Momoa is? Does anybody notice that, or is that just me? You know, do my best. It's like being a kid in a candy shop. And you roll up on set and you see all the cars. Then you see Dom's car and you're like, holy f- it's a charger. Sir, do you mind? Damn! Ooh! Back on black look good. The difference between Dante and Jason is just the cruelty. But the rest is the same. <laughs> the nail polish is the same. That's Jason Momoa. It's exciting to be just a piece in the puzzle of wrapping up something that's so very important to pop culture. I can't believe I'm going to race the great Dominic Toretto. Dream come true. Never.
accept death when suffering is owed. There's still so many people to hurt. See you soon, Dom. And they're right. He is something to be to behold. When he's on screen, <laughs> he pops. Now, coming up next, the next feature, Ed, just talks generally about the whole saga and how everybody is so glad to be back. And there's some surprise guests in this movie, and I'm not going to say diddly squat about that. But in this one, you can hear just the cast members just talking about back at it. It's been 22 years since we started this saga. How did we get so lucky to come so far? This family is ready to come back together. It's a dream come true. I mean, it's definitely a bucket list for sure. We're at the apex of this franchise. Fast. Heart and soul of the Fast and Furious franchise, boots on the ground, on location. The more movies we make, the bigger they get. We continue to outdo ourselves. Because we owe it to our fans. The enormity of everything hits you like a right hand of the jaw. You still know how to drive? Every time I'm on set, I have to pitch myself. I am now a Toretto. You are now a Toretto. I just have been badgering them to participate in this. It's such an honor to be part of this family. That's the problem with having such a big family. How do you choose the ones you save? We're so lucky to be able to continue this saga for all of you. Louis Leterrier, he directed this film. But the real fascinating part is this. He didn't start off directing it. Justin Lin was directing it for the first week. But then he left the project. So they called up Louis and they go, well, would you like to direct this? He's like, well, of course. Because he was supposed to, not supposed to, but he was in the running to direct one of the Fast and Furious in the past, but it didn't come out to be. Well, obviously, he jumped at the opportunity. As he was going to the airplane to fly over there, they also found out the third act of the film, that shooting location, was no longer available. So they had to rewrite the third act. So while he's on the plane, he's working on that. But then he realizes, well, if the third act changes the way that they get to this new third act will have to change too. So they altered the second act and then part of the first act. Yes, there was a outline of what the story is about, yes. But they were shooting already for a week. And when he joined the set, they were the second unit was directing a fight scene. And I won't tell you between whom, but here you show up on set and there's these very talented actors and there's a fight scene being coordinated by the second unit. And here you just plopped in and go, you go, step up. But that's what he had to do. So take that into consideration when you see this this movie. Being plucked out of just, oh, okay, this movie's already started. Now I have to run with it, knowing it that this is a huge legacy movie program. It's not just a, okay, this is just a new movie. There's a lot <laughs> at play on this. So if you mess up, it's on you. But he was good friends with Justin Lin. So he didn't tell him about it until he officially got the gig. But it's just a real fascinating story of how he became the director of this film. Now, you might be asking yourself, what else has he directed? Well, let me tell you. In 2002, he did The Transporter. Jason Statham was in that. Then in 2008, The Incredible Hulk. 2010, Clash of the Titans. 2013, Now You See Me. And in 2022, The Takedown. Well, now we're going to hear from the director. He's going to talk about how he's a huge fan of the franchise. And then he also discusses theme. 
I watch these movies religiously, like since they came up, came out, and I watch them again and again, and because they're they're, you know, they are the highest level of perfection for this kind of of entertainment. You know, I analyze them, love them first, and analyze them afterwards. So I knew everything about it, in, inside and out. So it really helped me uh, uh, look at the themes. You know, because movies are you know plot theme, plot character, but theme very importantly. And when I arrived in London, I was quite clear about what I wanted to do theme wise. You know, it's the beginning of of the end, so. It's, it needs to be the total sum, and yet something completely different, with a new villain, with new stakes, real stakes. And and but but knowing what was what this franchise was about, I could take it all in and really focus it, and that really helped me. Now coming up next, these are really two fun interviews. We're going to hear from producer Neil Moritz talking about this movie. If you really step back and look at it, there are four, not one, not two, not three, but four. Academy Award winning women in this movie. I mean, that just, that just blows my mind. But that just proves that they see a project they want to do. They want to have fun. They're actors. They don't want to just do the same old stuff over and over. That's what you're there for, to do something fun. After him, we're going to hear from Michelle Rodriguez. And I love what she says about the whole industry, if you will, how people sometimes only focus on the Academy Awards. They have to be all these special stuff. And she's just awesome to talk to her one. I mean, can you guys imagine that talking to her, how much fun, natural, just like a normal person. She seems to be, she doesn't give two flips about all the bells and whistles. She just wants to make entertaining movies and be, be real. And that's what makes, sets her apart. She's just like a person you could sit down with and shoot the breeze with. Well, Here's that interview first with the producer and then her. It's tremendous that between uh, Charlize Theron, Helen Mirren, Brie Larson, and uh, Rita Moreno that we were lucky enough to have four Academy Award winning uh, actresses. They're fans of the franchise. I mean, like, you know, because here's the thing, you know. When it comes to the Academy, there's this kind of like idea that you have to be art house, that you have to dive deep into the, you know, the plethora of emotions that the human existence has to offer in order to really be recognized by your peers, you know, for the effort. And, you know, uh, it kind of leaves, you know, people like Jim Cameron, Tom Cruise, or, you know, the Fast and Furious franchise on the corner there, even though it speaks to hundreds of millions of people around the world who buy tickets to see this stuff. Not everybody is formulaic just trying to tell a story according to some manipulative psychological way to sell stuff. Some people really have something to say. And the fact that you're able to communicate with hundreds of millions of people around the world really means something. And just having four Academy Award winning actresses in our movie proves it. (laughs) So I'm stoked. (laughs) See what I'm saying? Just awesome. Just awesome. Now they were talking about the four Academy Award winning women. Up next, we're going to hear from one of them, Brie Larson. And she talks about just how excited she was to be part of this project. And just listen to her. She just says, they didn't need me, but I wanted to do this. And then she talks about a scene that we're going to play immediately after that. In a scene where she's talking to Dom. And then in that scene, he hands her his cross of a necklace. So that's what she's talking about when she's talking about that. And anyway, here it is. 
I was trying to be super professional, you know? It's like, this is a franchise that I love so much and I like wanted to come in and have like a clear point of view and show that like I had something to bring to something that's like so good, like it doesn't need me, but I wanted to bring something to it. And so that moment when he took the cross out is just the most surreal moments of my life. And I just fell over. I fell onto the ground. I could not be cool. That's it. I, I, there was no recovering from that. And then I felt embarrassed, but luckily he was moved by it and thought that, you know, it was sweet that it meant so much to me. Letty. Letty's in a black site prison off of every map. Then get her out. Nobody can. Nobody would. Dom, I'm so sorry, but what you're asking me to do is impossible. Nothing's impossible. You just have to have faith. Now, you and I could imagine if you are part of a project and you've been working on this stuff for what is it now, 20 years, whatever it is, you build that camaraderie up with each other. And when somebody new comes in, they might be a little, people might be a little standoffish, a little bit chilly towards them. But in this next interview with Brie Larson, she talks about how immediately they just embraced her and took her in. Was going out, they actually did barbecues, went out together and hung out. There wasn't that whole isolationist deal going on. It was all about, you're here, you're part of this family. And we're going to act like it. And I just, when you hear stuff like that, it's just really fun to hear. And immediately after her, we're going to hear from a returning character, Sung Kang, who plays Han. Now, you might be asking yourself, what? Well, they address that later, but he's back. And I love his gratitude and his total respect for this movie and, the, and everything that it's, it's done to people. He gives a great interview talking about just the importance of this and how people have approached him and just talked about it and how much it's meant to people. And then he also talks about he has to go and visit Shaw, who's played by Jason Statham. And you probably don't need a reminder on this, but Shaw is the one who did him kind of a, a raw deal a couple of movies back. So that meeting that he has to get, you know, get to is a little bit more enhanced because of that. And he's going to talk about why he has to go do that and what he has to accomplish. Because we have a scene after that interview where he goes to his place, knocks on his door, and then mayhem ensues. Oh, I was totally welcomed. It, and it was amazing. I mean, I was like immediately invited to hang out with them, dinners, barbecues, and um, they were just so fun and easy and welcoming and like down to hang and... It's an amazing thing. Like they've all known each other for so long, been through so much together. And they've also been playing these characters for so long that they have all of this deep knowledge. And so I was the new kid at school, just excited to like sit at the same bar as them, <laughs> drink tequila and pick their brain. <laughs> when I meet um, a young man or older gentleman or a father or a son or a grandfather or a daughter or a mother and you can see in their eyes the light is shining bright and they're just the conversation and sharing stories about you know shooting fast it's making their day or it might make their week and then on social media you see that oh i got to meet sung and it just you know made my day 
I feel like, wow, that is important. And it legitimizes my existence. So I have to thank the fans because also without the fans, I would not be here. You know, the whole Justice for Han campaign was from the fans. We are all connected and without the audience, without the fans, we have nothing. We wouldn't be here, right? I mean, look at our life, look what we get to do. Um, and so every day, you know, it's an opportunity to go out in the world and thank people for allowing me to pursue my dream and allowing me to live this amazing life. Han knows that Shah's heart's in the right place. So that's why he goes to his lair to, you know, he, of all the people that he could ask for help, that he knows that Shah's going to, you know, react a certain way when he sees Han, but he knows, he, he already knows that, you know, you know, that, that, that Shah's heart is in the right place, right? So, of course, he can depend on him. I have something to talk to you about. The only reason a dead guy shows up at my door. Revenge. I know how to repeat myself. <laughs> you ruined my snacks. Relax. I don't want to fight you. And this is going to end quick. Now, as we've already mentioned, Jason Momoa is the villain in this movie. And we have an interview coming up next. And it's just really great. He talks about how much he was a fan and what he wanted to bring to this role and what he would have wanted to see. And when you just hear him talk, you just feel his energy, that he was passionate about this, and he couldn't wait to sink his teeth into it. And then right after that, we're going to hear from the awesome and incredibly talented Michelle Rodriguez, just talking about Jason Momoa, (laughs) how much she enjoys having him around. And then we're going to hear from the director, and what he says is really fun about how they clicked, and on set, how they would just jive back and forth and just have fun. When you hear these people talk, you can see why these movies are so wildly entertaining and famous and just has legs that will not stop. Because we don't know how many more movies there will be of this or spinoffs, because all these characters could have their own movies. But what comes to the screen, I think, to all of us, is that they're having fun. And that's all we really want to do sometimes, is to escape, let your mind go, and just sit back, turn off your brain, and you know that these guys in real life are friends and hang out, but they love the project. They love the story. And it just comes out in these interviews. It's, it's actually, uh, it, it, is a, it is an honor to come into an, an establishment for 20 years. And, and you would think you'd have like this nervousness or, um, uh, I don't know, just, just being scared to come into it. Because there's a lot of heavy hitters in this. And I knew my first scene was like Charlize too. And I was like, oh, God. Like, just, uh, I haven't worked. There's only been a f- few amount of actors where I've worked on that level. But I was really excited. And I hadn't played a villain in a very long time. I hadn't played a villain in probably 10 years. And to be a villain on this show would mean a lot. And I just felt like they had, and the things that I've seen, I just hadn't seen anything to that level. And so 
I really wanted to bring something fun. I wanted to bring something to the, you know, the lineage that was that hadn't been done yet and something that could face off against Dom and his family and you had to be a certain psychotic and you had to be playful and, and just he just was so um he just been done wrong in his world and his in his mind and so I just had a lot of fun with it and the truth of it is I've been supported and Finn's been amazing and supportive of it and I think people are going to have a great time because I really I, I, I approach it like an audience member going like what do I want to see who do I want to see him go up against what kind of character can that be and that's the thing that gets me excited is like I want to play something that people are like whoa I, I, I like him like no no that's like if that happened to me I'd like oh we got it we have to we have to kill him and then you're like but I really like man nope he's got to die and like yes Dom you want you just want him to beat him so bad and then all of a sudden there's a little bit of a twist here and there and so I just feel like this character uh, I was really excited to play it's really cool to 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 see Momoa come on board. I think that we haven't had a villain this luscious since Charlize Theron. So it's like having like this male equivalent of of this feminine energy that's just so badass. And I think he just adds this wonderful element of uh revenge with a smirk, you know. Um that I think is going to be tasty. I mean the man is so so funny so deep we we were like we we loved it and 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 he he and i clicked on exactly what i like on this 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 you know the filmmaking on the edge of like you know is it comedy is it is it thrilling are you scared are you you know you want to love your you know antagonist i mean for me the best villains the best antagonists are the ones you fall in love with you know who who you you know whose target or goal you understand and I think we, we did this. We actually worked so hard to, to make that work, um, uh, and make that, make that pop. And he, he's so funny. He, he, and it throws Dom off. Dom is, Dom is used to having strong antagonists instead of him, but to have a, you know, slithery, slippery, fan in front of you who loves everything you're saying who loves you adores you but also knows exactly what you're going to do well now that's scary and like he says his character is just nuts and just psychotic but also funny that's what sets this villain apart from so many other cliche bad guys in all other kind of movies ever made (laughs) the guy's funny and he's basically a fan of Dom. He knows everything he's going to do. He's worshipped him. He's watched all his stuff that he's done. So he knows almost beat by beat what he's going to do. So he's always one step ahead of him. And it's just fun watching a guy who's a villain, but that villain is a fan of the guy that he pretty much just wants to kill, but suffer first, of course. Well, we're going to have an interview with Jason Momoa coming up next, and he's going to talk about the stunts. And there's a lot of stuff that they let him do that he was amazed that they let him do but driving through the streets of Paris, how much fun it was. And it just, you could hear it in his voice, how much he just enjoyed it. And then immediately after that interview, we're going to have a scene. Now in this scene, his character is driving a motorcycle and the, you know, the Dom people are, are chasing him. And then he, he's in a motorcycle and he pulls up to this Jeep that's driven by Scott Eastwood. And he goes, you know, surprise. And he 
it has this like this bomb type thing where he could bounce it off the ground and it will stick underneath the Jeep. So boom, boom, boom. He puts it on there. He drives away. And then Letty is on the, on the radio, talks to the Scott East, Eastwood character, says, Hey, put a bomb on there, get out. So that's when you hear him jump out and you hear the explosion. And then there's a, they chase him down the road a little bit longer than, so that's the, the gist of that scene. I was baffled. I was like, I can't believe I'm going to let me do all this stuff. I mean, I'm glad it's over now. But, you know, it was the most nerve-wracking thing I've done because there's a lot of stuff to take in. There's a, this the environment and being in Rome, like you can't stop that quick. You don't have that much of a runway. You've got to pull something off very quickly. There's extras going ev- everywhere, even though they're, you know, stunts probably. But it's, it's uh, you just... I mean, that's the thing I love about it because you're just like, boom, you're in the moment. Like, you're right. You have to be super sharp. And, um, but it's still nerve wracking. And, um, when you're done, I'm like, I don't want to do that again. Some people love it, but I'm like, uh, I like doing it in my personal life, but it's scary. But, uh, you know, I know I'm can, can do it, but, um, it's definitely, um, you're ripping past the Vatican or you're going past the 16th. I mean, just shutting down the Spanish steps. And then ripping past it, and there's, like, kids screaming. I'm like, what am I doing right now? This is crazy. And uh, I'll remember it forever. It's a wonderful experience. Moving to this. Get out of there. It's going to blow. <gasps> And let me tell you this, as you all know, that action sequence has nothing compared to what happens in the rest of the movie. I'm not, again, that's not being critical. That's just a, a light chase scene compared to some of the other stuff that happens in this bad boy. It just, again, you sit back and just bask in the, just the wildness of it all. Now, up next, we're going to hear from Jason Momoa. And he's going to talk a little bit about the conversations he had with Vin Diesel about what they wanted to accomplish and what was the, what's the true message they want to tell about this this whole dilemma stuff in the in the long haul and then we're going to hear from Vin Diesel himself and he's going to talk about how he's been watching Jason Momoa for all these years and he just thought this guy this guy'd be perfect to face off against Dom because a he just looks the part and he can't have somebody just scrawny being the bad guy Jason Momoa he's 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 a beast and that's what that was needed. And then we're going to hear from Jason Momoa again, just talking about how much fun he was having with Vin Diesel and how much he appreciates how he runs the whole franchise. Me and Vin have had quite a few conversations about, it's not just this movie, it's it's moving into the, the second part of this movie. So it's the what we want to go through and get to, because I think it's beautiful without being preachy to, you know, Dom will do anything for his family, and that's a great quality to have as much as most fathers and parents will. And that's a great thing about this, uh, you know, this franchise is, you know, is, is about the family. And so when I disrupt all of that 
and I absolutely hate it. But then at the end to like kind of come around and understand that, that it really is, it's love and the people that you surround yourself with. And it's important for the world. It's important for this. So it's like, we're trying to, you know, have a message within, you know, so that it all gets exercised by the second one. And, uh, I don't know how much I'm supposed to tell, but we've got it all planned out. Jason Momoa is somebody that I had been watching clocking. The character needed somebody that, at face value, one could regard his formidable stature as a worthy adversary. But also be willing to approach a character with a completely unique take that is so dynamic and grounded with a palpable pain. He's wonderful and he's fabulous and he's fun to be around. And then you, you know, the moment they go action, it just switches into dominant. Like, oh wow! And the voice hits, and it's everything. The cadence hits, and and he just gets. Uh, it's, it's just different than who he is. And I really, enjoy, I enjoy both. I, I enjoy watching him play Dom, and I enjoy Vin as you know, running and and, and having responsibility for this franchise for twenty years. So it's impressive. And speaking of the 20 years, remember how this started off as pretty much just a street racing gang or group or whatever you want to call it, right? And now it's moved up to saving the world and everything like that. Now, in this movie, there's all that kind of saving the world stuff, but they were able to track it all back. And they they were ha- they have a scene where there is a street rod race with Jason Momoa's character, and Vin Diesel, and, you know, other people involved in it too. But <laughs> how they were able to bring it all back and still have a chasing sequence like that, it's just kind of funny when you really break it down and think about it. But in this scene, we have Vin Diesel and Jason Momoa, and they're, they're bantering about what happened in the past. And it's just, when you when you see the movie and you see the scene, it just, what Jason Momoa has done with this character is just, just awesome. But yeah, this is them just doing a little hoorah, hoorah, mine's bigger than yours kind of jazz. You remember my father. Hernan Reyes. My father was a horrible man. Very bad daddy. But I kind of liked him, and you took him from me when you stole our money and left us with nothing but suffering. That's what I came here for. And the suffering. Oh, and I didn't take that money. I burned it. Yep, the joyful male posturing. But hey, these guys do it very well. So <laughs> you got to enjoy it. Now, up next, we're going to hear from Jason Momoa again. And he's going to go a little bit further into his character. And then immediately after that, we have a clip for you. Now, in this clip, Jason's character is standing on this tower and out of this, I guess you could say mountain lair or whatever you want to call it. Boom. This car comes shooting out. And inside that said car, we have John Cena, who's Dom's brother, but next to him is Dom's son. He's been kind of there to help protect him. And they're, they're in this car. I forget what it's called. Is it called a rocket car? And I, I don't know exactly what it's called off the top of my head, but he, he has it set up where, He's driving, and then you pull this lever, and these these um, containers fall out of the back of the car, and then, boom, they they explode, you know, the, the things behind him. So, he's in this car, booking along, 
And Jason Momoa's character is up there, and one of his henchmen points a gun at him, and he says, no, 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 no guns. We're not going to kill him yet. So while this is happening, John Cena's booking down the road there, and then he unloads the canisters, and voila, boom. I haven't underestimated him, but, um, you know, I think Dom doesn't understand how tricky and sly and just, like, how I've duped him into my web. So, like, there's certain points where, you know, we're supposed to have a fight. I'm like, nah, dude, we're not fighting. I'm going to, you're going to beat the out of me. You're going to punch me here. You're going to slam me over here. You're going to slam me this way. Uh, and I have this molar I lost. And I'm like, I'll pull this out. And, you know, we'll give some that people haven't seen, you know, really, really beat the this character. But then in a second, I'm going to totally demolish. Because where's the fun in that? Like, we have a fight. And then you get, like, I'd rather see it, like, hold. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a total Batman Joker moment. And then he has the upper hand that it's just been way ahead of everything. on Uncle Muslim the Kid. Hi, everybody. Remember the plan? Contain and kidnap. Thank you. No. No guns. Alive. Just for a while. John Cena is just a class act. Everything he's in, he donates so much of his time and he never even mentions it. Fun actor. He's, you know, we all know him from wrestling, obviously. But his, whatever he brings, he brings it all. And it's just, his energy is just the best. I, I, I honestly can't wait to see how far his career goes. Because he has all it takes to, to, to go as far as he wants. Because he can do action, he can do drama. He's just, the charisma is just oozing off of the guy. Coming up next, we we'll hear from Vin Diesel. And he's just going to tell us how great the director is and how wonderful he was to work with. And then we're going to follow that up with an interview with the director, just telling us how amazed he was that he was able to work with such an amazing cast. I can't say enough good things about Louis. Um... He's the sixth director to be a part of this mythology. But what he brought uh, was so special. He has a tireless work ethic. Um, Kindness is his superpower. I think above all, what I gravitated towards was how much he truly loved the franchise. You can feel that when a director comes on and you know that they've grown with this franchise for so long and really want to contribute and really want to honor um, the legacy. So we're all very fortunate uh, to call Louis the director of Fast 10 Part 1. It was hard because we only had four Academy Awards uh, uh, winner in this, in this movie. Uh, <laughs> it's, like, it's incredible. We, the cast... Literally, like, you know, the first two, three weeks, 
but yet for me, me, the exterior person walking into this set, I had legend after legend after legend coming into my set, me directing them so much so that I had to sort of like punch, you know, have myself up in the morning looking in my mirror. I was like, okay, okay, you're directing the Seven Furious. Today's Charlie Theron. Tomorrow it's <laughs> Rita Moreno. Then you have Brie Larson. And again, it was, like, it was so hard. It was like I literally had to look at everyone like, I'm their director, you know, I'm not their boss, their collaborator. I need to know my stuff. I mean, they were very, like, everybody was very nice. Everybody knew that I was, <laughs> I was just the guy who was dropped in. And, but, you know, that works for one or two takes. By take three, I'm the director and I better direct them and give them the strong direction and, you know, and answer the question. When there's a, why am I doing this? What's my motivation? It's not just to mess me up. It actually, because they need it. And because I I knew all these movies and I had these great talks with Vin and the rest of the cast, I was able to answer. And that really, really helped everyone, and including me. I want to point one more thing out, too, or a couple things, actually. One thing, make sure, like most movies these days, you sit through the credits. Because there is additional stuff during the credits or near the end of the credits. So whatever you do, don't get up and leave. Sit through it because... Not only, even if there wasn't a scene, for me, ever since I've been going to the movies, I watch the credits all the time. There's so many people who are involved in a movie. And a lot of times, those people don't get enough credit. The hours, the commitment that everybody has to put into it. Think of the stunts in this kind of movie and the, the set pieces you have to set up. And I just, sometimes I, I make sure I read as many names as I can. Because these people are the unsung heroes of these kind of movies. Because if, if you don't make it look good or if it doesn't play out well, it's going to look like a turd. And these people behind the scenes step up and it's just amazing. So yeah, that's that's it. So make sure you wait for the final, you know, the, the hidden scenes or whatever you want to call them. But also look at the names. These people bust their butt and they're pretty much unsung heroes. Okay, maybe hero's not the right word, but they're unsung wows of filmmaking magic. Now, I didn't forget... Like I said earlier in the show, there's a TV version of this. And if you want to watch this anytime you want, on demand, 24 hours a day, either go to Bloomington, Minnesota's cable access television channel or go to bit.ly backward slash cinema judge. This and several other movie shows or other shows like this are there. And again, you can watch it anytime you want, 24 hours a day, and enjoy. Because this one actually... There is a ton of extra footage, like when they have interviews with those featurettes. A lot more stuff is happening in the background. So if you like that kind of stuff, check it out. Well, I hope you enjoyed our in-depth look at Fast X. Now, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, any way to improve the show, feel free to let me know. Cinemajudge at Hotmail.com Or go to Instagram, The Cinema Judge. Go to YouTube. Go to most other platforms, even if you go to the Metaverse, I'm often there. Just If you go to Horizon Worlds, look up Cinema Judge. I'm often just hanging out there at, late at night after I'm editing and everything like that, and I love to talk movies. So if you're bored, if you ever do that Metaverse stuff, not every night, but I'm there a lot of nights just talking movies and hanging out. But now it's one of my favorite parts of the show is when I thank you, the listeners, for listening to this show especially the ones you listened to the last episode. And I know a lot of you listen to past catalog ones, 
And I really appreciate that. And I see it. It's just incredibly hard to figure out all that jazz about where, when, who, for anything beyond the last episode. But this is me thanking you for listening to the last episode, or not all of you, but a lot of you. And I love hearing from you guys telling me how you listen to the show, whether you listen to it at home, in your car, sitting in the backyard, whatever you're doing. Maybe you're at break at work, whatever it is. Maybe overnight. A lot of times just play it overnight and that's your background noise. That's cool too. But seriously, wherever, whenever, or whatever you're doing, this is for you. To my listeners in the United States, Japan, a lot of listeners from Japan, Poland, thank you, Poland. That's so awesome. In Germany and Argentina, you guys are incredible. From Minneapolis, Minnesota, Blacksburg, Virginia, Grand Rapids, Michigan, Andover, Minnesota, Valencia, California, Circle Pines, Minnesota, North Pole, Alaska, Walker, Minnesota, and man, I'm not going to get this one right at all. B-Y-D-G-O-S-Z-C-Z, then it's K-U-J-A-W-S-K-O. Thank you so much for listening. Rockford, Minnesota, Frankfurt AM, Maine, Hess, Highland Beach, Colorado, Buenos Aires, just to name a few. But from the bottom of my heart, everybody, I don't care if you're two blocks away from me or 2,000 miles away, you took time out of your busy life to listen to this show. It just blows my mind. So truly, 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 thank you. But now it's time for the bourbon shout out. This week it goes out to a very, very dear, dear friend of mine. One of my besties I've known for almost most of my life. And she's just amazing. And I was actually was able to see this movie with her. Cause she's kind of my, my movie buddy. We've been going to movies since Crocodile Dundee era. That was supposed to be the first movie we, we were going to go to, but life got in the way and we couldn't. But that's okay. The first movie we saw together was the first Lethal Weapon. Now, come on. What better movie to start off your movie viewing t- you know, time with somebody than the first Lethal Weapon? Brilliant. Classic. Ah, it's always been just because of that, that that whole series will live in my mind forever. But now, let me just briefly tell you a little bit about Marie. <laughs> I remember when we were working at a restaurant and, you know, she was new and people are saying, oh yeah, there's a new waitress is going to be here, whatever. And then the second she walked in, she just, boom, it's like a concussion grenade. It was just energy and joy. And like everybody who young, they had, she had stuff going on in the world, but she rarely let it play out in real life. I mean, later on, we'd be sitting talking in the car late at hours and talking about all kinds of real stuff. But what really connected us from the beginning was she was a major Stephen King fan and, of course, loved movies. And I tell you what, those two things were like, boom. Like, hey, if you could be a King fan and talk movies and being super awesome, funny, and dare I say, extremely just awesome. I don't want to, you know, do any more labels. But an incredible girl. And now now said woman. And I have to confess, she's one of the, I think probably the very first woman who rendered me totally speechless. Here I was, I was on lunch break and I could, I could describe the bowl that I was eating out of, but it was, I was eating lasagna and she just comes walking into the swinging doors and just matter of factly, we should go see a movie. And, and just like, you know, like, wasn't like asking, wasn't just questioning. It's like, we should go see a movie. 
And I kid you not, you know, she just, you know, bebopped away to go get the order to keep doing, doing her thing. I sat there and stared at my lasagna. I didn't move. I didn't say a word for a whole half hour. I was just like, what? This awesome person wants to go to a movie with me? Are you, are you, are you mad? But I was, I was so stunned. I truly sat there for a half hour. And then all of a sudden, hey, your break's up, man. <laughs> I hadn't touched my lasagna. But that's just, she was just, she's just an awesome person. And another side, side note, she's one of my Bronx Tale 3. Now, if you've never seen a Bronx Tale, in that movie, there's a test that a guy gives every person that he meets, well, every woman that he meets. So you could do it for any, anybody you want. But in the movie, it's the test out if somebody's worthy. And it's, and say, well, and here's the deal. You can't really do it these days because cars have automatic doors. But back in the day before that happened, you'd open the door for a woman and she'd get in and then you walked around the back of the car and you, you made sure you kept looking at the window. And if she leaned over and opened up your door, boom, she was golden. And she did that early on. I remember that very well. Let her in the door, walked around the back. She leaned over, bam. I'm like, yep. And to this day, she's one of my best friends. So to you, Marie, cheers. Now, most of you know this. This is a TV show first that I turn into a podcast. This week, in anticipation of maybe hanging out with my friend Marie, there was no guarantee she was able to go. But I was preparing, so when I was editing this show, I wanted to get in the mind mind frame. So I go, well, I'm going to play some stuff that kind of is in her ballpark or reminds you, you know, that we listen to or reminds me of her, whatever. You know what I mean? How music sometimes relates to people. So I threw down some Def Leppard because I remember one time when we were younger, a song was playing in the background and we're just like, yep, yep. And that's all we had to say, but we knew what was going on. So it was always one of those deals. And then the Georgia Satellites, because one time I gave her a song from them. I go, listen to this song. Yeah, I was not very good at expressing myself at all. But <laughs> so there's a Georgia, Georgia Satellite song that always makes me laugh and think, oh man, what, what a what a fool I was. And then I threw down some Chicago because, you know, she, she, Chicago's just great. They have so many greatest hits and I, that's what I listen to is their greatest hits. So I kind of kept these bands in a cycle of playing. So that's what I was listening to when I was making the TV version of this said podcast. Well, that is it. My drink awaits. I'm thirsty. So cheers to you and to the movies. So until next time, be well. Be good, and I'm gone. I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Judge. (laughs) 